Welcome to War Gaming Recon. I am your host, Jonathan J. Reinhardt. I want to welcome all of you new and longtime listeners alike. Today, we're going to be talking about something a little bit different. And you're probably going to think, wait a sec, how does this even relate to tabletop gaming? And you'll find out because we're going to tell you. We're going to be talking about this brand new and interesting app. It's something you can get you from your computer, whatever kind of device you use, a tablet, a smartphone, whatever. It's called Whatnot. And it is, well, I'll let someone else tell you what it is because I'm joined by a buddy of mine. He is the owner of Brickify and he has led me into learning more about what Whatnot is and getting used to it a little bit. So I'd like to welcome the one and only Anthony. Anthony, how are you today? Good, Jonathan. How are you? I'm doing okay. So, Welcome to Wargaming Recon. It's probably a first for you for this sort of thing, but I'm happy to have you here. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. So, Whatnot. Great name, but what is it? Uh, It's essentially uh, something, right, that we've had forever, really, right? Um, It's essentially eBay, but live. Um, So, instead of going in and looking at items, right? Scrolling through them uh, in, in your browser on a website like eBay and putting in bids and waiting three days or five days or seven days for the auction to end to see if you've won. It's essentially live video uh, auctions uh, where you're bidding live against other bidders on whatever item the seller happens to be auctioning off. And uh, it's pretty fast paced, can be exciting and can also be a little bit frustrating. Uh, that sounds completely accurate. Uh, one of the things that I think that's really interesting about it is that they have set categories for the kind of things that they sell, but there are a lot of categories. So they have things like plushies and Funko Pops are really popular, action figures. Uh, you and I have know of it because of Lego. It's a new category for them. But they also do tabletop games, uh, which seems to be underutilized and in my opinion and this is kind of why i want to talk about it uh ripe for people to get involved with it and you know venture out into the wild west and pan for gold so to speak uh but we're going to kind of get to that by using lego as the lens uh for how we do about it so how did you kind of become aware of whatnot and how did it get introduced into your world uh so actually i mean i had heard about it but i didn't really um do anything um with it um i just had heard that there's this thing called whatnot um is actually my brother who um came along and he actually uh told me that he was using it right actively uh, out there uh not just bidding on auctions but he was also um had applied to become a seller uh he's into you know um uh, star wars action figures and funko pops and things like that you know star wars black series whatnot and so he has uh, there it is perfect right whatnot um, he, he has a, a pretty large collection. He wanted to start thinking about offloading some of that. And he, he looked at this platform, right. As a potential uh, way to do that. So he sort of introduced me to it. I said, he said it was great. So I jumped on and lo and behold, they had a Lego category. And then I got sucked into meeting. It got kind of <laughs> dangerous quick. It, it, uh, you hit on a key word there, actually, um, uh, dangerous and <laughs> People might think, why are we recommending something if a keyword is dangerous? And it's really not that like you're going to get hurt, but it's that with auctions, you kind of get that whole thrill sort of thing going on. And so you have to be mindful of that, of uh, making sure that you're not spending more than you really should be. Uh, but also just don't enjoy it, but don't get too caught up in it is what I would say. Yeah, I would. I 100% agree. Um, 
it's it can be a little bit addicting um and because the way the platform works is when you sign up you're basically putting your credit card in so when you're bidding you're just hitting a button and if you win that auction it's charging your credit card and so um i would recommend to people that if you're going to use the app and you're going to you know bid um keep track of what you're what you're spending right um it's very easy because the auctions sometimes are very fast right uh, they're generally, I really haven't seen one above a minute long. Generally, they're about 20 seconds long. And yep. so as a buyer, you, it's rapid fire. You see an item you want, you don't have a lot of time to get in. And if you're winning item after item, just pay attention um, to, you know, what you're spending. Because like I said, it's it's sort of the, uh, you know, Amazon, right? Makes it so easy to shop. Whatnot makes it so easy to win auctions. And so you got to be careful. Yeah, it's too easy almost. Uh, you touched on the, the whole process of setting up. So uh, it's free to get an account, right? doesn't cost you anything. If you're going to buy, you just make your account, come up with a username. You need a, a password, of course, an email address. Uh, and you mentioned payment. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but obviously uh, they take credit, debit, and they take PayPal. And I feel like maybe there's a third method, but I don't quite remember what it is. Um... I don't remember either, actually. I know PayPal's a definite, and obviously credit and debit cards are, are definite. I, I actually don't remember. Um, it might just be those two, but like it walks you through step by step, almost like a computer where it's a, you know, do an installation and that sort of thing. Uh, first you need this, and then you need this, and it just, again, they're smart. They made it really easy to do this, to sign up and just go, and, and you know, they verify your payment method, and then you're ready to go. And they actually, almost like social media in a way, they ask uh, and uh, what sort of... Uh, interest you have so whether it's you're on uh instagram uh to kind of help you who to follow or way back in the day with google plus what were your circles or on facebook you know what groups do you want to go to whatever so they ask you uh, what sort of things do you want to follow and obviously i think people would guess what you followed it was plushies of course <laughs> yeah i'm a big plushy guy i thought you are yeah um yeah um it's it, it really is super simple right and you it, it, it's sort of like social media right combined with online auctions or live auctions where you are able to go in and say i'm interested in a particular category whatever it is right it's, for me it's lego it might be sneakers they, they actually have a category for um yeah. and so if you're into sneakers right and collecting sneakers i um, mean go in and say that's my interest but then as you start to look at some of the auctions right you can follow the hosts right that's what they uh, what they refer to them as right the hosts who are hosting the show um it's interesting that they they don't really refer to them as auctions they refer to them as shows um and you can follow them so it has this whole social media aspect because the people hosting the shows are actively trying to gain more followers the same way they would be on social media and one of the ways they do that is in some cases right they'll do giveaways on their stream so it, there's definitely another aspect to it which is um the the host sort of you know competing for your business um and trying to gain followers because once you gain that follower they get notified of whenever you're running a, a show or an auction. that's true and another way i think it's kind of like social media uh it's it makes me think of the old school chat rooms for anyone who remembers way back using like aol chat rooms uh and you'd go in and be there with a bunch of other people uh so a lot of times for people who join these auctions as a buyer uh so to speak they may not be buying anything they're there to hang out with their you know online friends or whatever and just kind of uh, watch the show and chat and i have to admit i've done that it can be there's one seller in particular who i really enjoy but one of the things i like about uh him is he has a really nice soothing voice and late at night like it's it's nice to hear and then i'm ready to go to sleep and I, i'm done 
uh, not an intended use of whatnot, I don't think. But uh, for me, it, it's been really enjoyable. But people seem to like the social aspect of it a lot, too. Yeah. And, and again, um, like anything else, right, um, it's sort of an open forum, right, like social media, where people can um, sort of say what they want. And so mm -hmm. another another sort of point of caution, right, and, and when, when you go into these auctions, uh, in some cases, you might see a little banner flash at the top of them that says, you know, may contain explicit content, uh, mostly what they're referring to as language there. Yep. Um, there, there's, uh, nothing to worry about from a, a video or visual perspective, but you know, you get some colorful language sometimes in the, in the chat. And so, um, you know, it's just something to be aware of, right? Um, if you're a type of person who doesn't like that kind of thing, then you might want to look for some auctions, right? That don't give that warning. Um, so I would just caution everybody to, you know, depending on the type of person you are, um, you could either avoid those streams or you could simply just ignore the chat, right? I do that a lot myself. Sometimes I even watch the the streams or the shows um, with the mute on, right? So I don't I do that. the actual seller um, because I'm just not interested, right, in what they're saying. Yep. Uh, and whatnot also makes it possible for sellers to have a moderator. So if you're familiar with, you know, old school message boards or, or uh, Facebook groups, for example, where you have a, a group with a moderator uh, and that sort of thing, uh, they have that so that uh, a moderator is there and to kind of just keep things on target and make sure that things are okay. Uh, so that way, if anything kind of gets too crazy, the moderator is there to kind of rein it in. Uh, and But they also have safeguards in place so the moderator doesn't get overzealous because, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Uh, so they, they, yeah. they thought of that. Uh, which I think is really smart of them to kind of do that because a, a lot of new things in the tech world, they don't kind of think of those sort of stuff. So it's nice that WhatNot has done that and uh, has, you know, really thought of that for the uh, consumer experience. Yeah, yeah. And and the, the host themselves obviously has the right to ban somebody from the chat, right? If they're being, yep. um, you know, uh, particularly vulgar or, or you know, unreasonable. Um, there's definitely a set of, of community guidelines that WhatNot lays out for sort of how to be a good citizen um, mm -hmm. on the platform, uh, but also the moderators, right? Because a lot of times the host is just too busy running the auction, right? And dealing with the items and dealing with payments and things of that nature to worry about, um, you know, who's, you know, maybe misbehaving in the chat. So the nice thing is, like, like you said, there, you can appoint those moderators and those moderators then can sort of police the chat and they also have the right to ban somebody out of the chat. So it, it's, it's definitely... I think the platform, you know, is, is feeling its way through some of this. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, like any other right app or, or piece of software out there, it'll probably undergo changes as time goes on and they encounter maybe situations that they didn't anticipate. But I think overall they've did out of the gate here. They've done a pretty good job. No, I would agree. And uh, obviously for here at Wargaming Recon, our audience is definitely a family friendly audience. And so I want to say uh, in any of the live auctions that I've been in where I've been bidding on stuff, have not experienced anything uh, uncomfortable or inappropriate. Uh, so any of the ones where I've been bidding on stuff and things that have won, it's been great. The sellers have been really helpful and wonderful. They, they do their best to, you know, be open and honest about what's going on. Uh, so that way, you know, what's happening you don't have to worry about people saying inappropriate things or whatever in the chats or uh, on the streams or whatever that they're they're upfront about it so you know what you're getting which i think is very important uh why don't we talk a little bit about some of the tips for people so uh you know they've, they've signed up they made their free account they've set up the payment method they've looked they found what kind of topics and things that they want mm -hmm. to follow 
let's say it's someone like you, Anthony, who's into Lego, right? And they chose to fall in Lego and they've joined their first Lego auction uh, stream and they want to start bidding on things. What would be a tip from you uh, for them? Something, Some piece of uh, sage advice. So I think probably first and foremost is like when you're in an auction and you see an item that is put up for auction um, and the way whatnot works is um, the... And this depends one host to the other, but they can list their items ahead of time. Now, some of them are very descriptive. Some of them are not so descriptive, mm-hmm. but each sh- uh, show that you're in, there's a store icon that you can click on that store and you can see um, what the items are uh, that are going to be up for auction. Now, again, some of them are very generic, so you can't tell what exactly it is until they actually put the, the item on screen, each item on screen. But some do a very good job of being very descriptive. So what I would say is, when I go into an auction, right, um, whether I know in advance or I just see the item, right, uh, being put up live, I immediately come up with a price in my head that I'm willing to pay. And I set that as my upper limit and I'm not willing to go past that limit. It's very easy to get caught up in the in a couple things, right, in, in the back and forth with other bidders of just constantly bidding back and forth and wanting to win. And then, of course, there's that whole fear of missing out, right, Um, that you might not, if you don't get it now, you might not ever get it. But I would say probably the first and most important thing, uh, tip that I could give is that set your price for an item in your head and don't go beyond it. With Lego, I think it's really helpful because there's the BrickLink website people might not know about uh, Mm -hmm. that Lego actually ended up buying. So it tracks secondary marketplace sales and kind of gives you a price guide, so to speak, almost as if you in the old days of, you know, buying comics or uh, baseball cards or whatever, you could kind of track generally where things were. So it gives you a guideline for Lego. For some of the other categories, it can be a little bit harder. And uh, if you're in to, I don't know, sneakers, for example, mm-hmm. I'm going to presume that you might know what those resources are uh, to kind of make sure that you get a good deal. But even if you don't, I just what feels right to you, right? And right. definitely don't spend more than you can afford. That sounds like a dumb thing to sort of say, but if it's going to cause you to not be able to buy food, if it's going to cause you to have trouble getting gas or paying a bill, maybe you should pass on that uh, just to be really explicit because I sometimes people might not think of those sort of things. The next thing you know, uh, it turns out they're not able to take care of some of the essentials. Yeah, and I think that's why I say, you know, set a price in your head for what it's worth to you. You might not know exactly what the market will bear for that item, but again, we all have things that we're into or that we collect, right? Or we just make us happy, right? Mm-hmm. And so what it's worth to you might not be what it's worth to somebody else. It might be a little bit less or it might be a little bit more than what the actual fair market value is for that. But the point is, right, decide what it's worth to you. And I would say stick to your guns and and try not to go beyond that. I mean, I've seen several people in the chat in these auctions or streams, however you want to refer to them. Uh, you know, making comments about, you know, okay, now I'm broke or now I can't buy food this week. You know, and maybe it's probably a little tongue in cheek, you know, but I do think a certain percentage of those comments, you know, uh, or maybe not even a certain percentage, but all of those comments, right. There's probably some bit of truth right in them. And so, you know, again, use judgment and, and, you know, don't necessarily reach for something um, simply because somebody else is willing to go further. than. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I've known individuals throughout the years who they'll see some new gaming thing. Uh, most often it comes with kind of collectible stuff, whether you uh, play like a collectible miniatures game or collectible card game like Magic or something, where 
they, they're just buying another pack. They're buying another box of sealed product because they, they're chasing some super rare thing or some uh, really cool fig or whatever. And then when they're done, they say, oh, well, I guess this means I need to wait till next payday to go and go grocery shopping or pay the rent. And uh, I've known people for whom that was real. And I personally would wish they hadn't done that, but it's not something I have control over. It was just, you got to make smart decisions, people. And uh, I trust that most of you uh, will do your best to do that. It can be hard, but I have faith in you. Uh, you and I have talked about uh, another one about how it's important to be selective, right? When yeah. you're looking at, well, in, in anything actually, but um, both with, the seller with the seller's stream and the seller and uh, what they're selling. So for you, what does be selective mean? Yeah. So we've talked about this. Um, so I have a, an idea, right. Of what, how the item, how the, the, the person, the seller is, should conduct the auction and how they should present the item. Right. So mm -hmm. right off the bat, if I go into a stream and what I'm looking at is visually confusing and I can't exactly tell what I'm bidding on. Right. Um, that's it immediate, right? I'm out of there. Uh, another one is if the item is too far away from the screen, from the camera, right? Yeah. Um, that's another automatic I'm out, right? The seller owes you, uh, you know, at the minimum, a good, clear picture of what it is you're betting on. They're asking you to bid and spend your money with them at the very least, right? They should be able to provide you with a very clear understanding of what you're bidding on. They should be able to show you every single angle of that item, right? Front, back, sides, everything, bottom, top, it doesn't matter. Uh, if you're going to be spending your money with them, they should be able to show it to you and they should be able to not only show you the condition, they should be able to describe the condition of that item, right? I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's sneakers or Lego or miniatures or whatever it is. Um, they should be able to describe the condition of that. They should be able to convey some level of knowledge, right? Or expertise in whatever category they're selling in. And if they can't do that, then, you know, I essentially, you know, rule them out and I move on until I find a stream and you will find them, right? Don't think you'll never find them or you're being too uh, selective or picky. Uh, you will find streams that you really, really like the seller because the seller, you can just tell they've taken a lot of time and a lot of care and preparation to make sure that you understand what it is you're bidding on and what it is you're going to be getting for your money. So for me, selectivity, you know, essentially means, you know, feeling comfortable, right? When I look at that stream, I feel comfortable that I'm spending money with this person that I'm going to be uh, getting what is represented and it's represented accurately from a, you know, actual item being selective with the actual items. Uh, again, for me, that comes down to condition, right? Um, making sure that um, I'm not bidding on something too early um, before I know uh, exactly what the condition is. Remember the people are going to put these up they're going to start the auction and then they're going to talk about it right now. Some will talk about it beforehand. Mm -hmm. uh, in some cases, I know a lot of bidders or buyers don't like that because it lengthens, right? The, the, the time of the auction and it takes longer for each item to go up and, and actually start bidding. So in a lot of cases, you'll see them put it up and then they'll talk about it. I very often bid in, you know, within the last five seconds, um, the yeah. way the platform works is, you know, uh, you can run your auctions two ways. You can run them in sudden death, meaning when the time runs out, the time runs out. Or by default, um, the actual way it runs is that every time somebody bids, it adds some time back onto the clock so that other people have a chance to bid. So I don't feel like I need to um, bid early. I bid late. I bid in the last you know, three to five seconds 
um, knowing that once I bid, more time will be added in the clock. And if somebody outbids me, more time will be added to the clock and I'll have another opportunity. So I, I would say wait, listen, look, and make sure what you're bidding on is what you want. No, absolutely. And, and for me, not only uh, does the seller kind of need to know their product, and really it's their job, I would say, to know it. Uh, no different than if you go to into a store anywhere and you want to know about a T-shirt or uh, you know, you're looking to buy tires or whatever, right? They should be able to know what it is. And if they don't know, they should have the resources at hand to tell you, oh, this is that. And here's some information about it. They should be able to have that, right? But also, I think you as a buyer need to do your homework too, to some degree. So it's all, it's perfectly fine to know nothing about this stuff and go in for your first time and just you're testing the waters and you're trying to learn. But if you have any experience with it at all, and of course, for a lot of you who are listening, you most likely have experience with tabletop games. So there's a game that you really like, right? A game that you really love. If you're going in and you want to look for stuff for that game, you know, generally, what does it sell for? You know, what is it supposed to come with, right? And so if you see it on a stream and it doesn't have the stuff it's supposed to come in, especially if it's in new or somewhat new condition, don't get involved or ask questions even more. I do that all the time. I'll say, hey, uh, with a Lego figs, can you take the helmet off? Can you show me the face? Uh, lift the arms. Are there any cracks? Are there, what is this? Can you tell me something about it? And it's hard when you're under the gun, so to speak, with that 20 second sort of thing, which is very common. Uh, but it's okay for it to not work out because if you don't get satisfactory answers, that's fine. And it's also okay if you want to take a chance. Like I've taken chances on stuff and sometimes it worked out. Sometimes it hasn't. Uh, and this has been for me a learning process and saying, okay, this seller knows a lot about these type of Lego things and nothing about this other whole subsection of Lego stuff. Or they know nothing about anything, right? They're just trying to go and do a quick uh, grab, see what they can sell. And they'll be like, yeah, I don't know if these parts go together. I don't know if they're supposed to have this or whatever. I don't know, but here it is. And that drives yeah. me crazy, right? Big, big red flag. Yeah, like stop right now, run away. <laughs> yep. Run as fast as you can to buy yeah. me toys and just go and get something else. But also there are ones who were like, so as you can see here, uh, this came from such and such set, which came out in whatever year. And there were other variants of this figure that you could get, or uh, the color used to be this, but only in this one, it's exclusive. That person, they know their thing, right? This is their jam. They're in their wheelhouse. So they kind of just go along and they got it going. And that makes me feel good. And I think Anthony, that makes you feel good too. Yeah. I, I go into it feeling like that as a buyer, the seller should know at minimum or have the same level of knowledge at minimum as I have right? They're the mm -hmm. ones selling. They're the ones asking for my money. So if I'm going in and I feel like that seller has not, and again, you know, take Lego, for example, there's thousands of minifigures. I don't expect the seller to know off the top of their head what every single minifigure is. But if you're auctioning that minifigure, you know, ahead of time, you're auctioning that minifigure, do the research, right? Put the effort yeah. in, put the work so you can accurately convey to the bidders what it is um, that you're trying to sell them. Um, and so I feel like that's sort of my litmus test, right? Do I feel like this person knows at least as much as I do? Uh, but in all honesty, I feel like as a seller, they should know more than I do as a buyer. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think also that uh, you made the uh, you know connection to eBay, right? So way back in the early days of eBay, because I'm old, uh, people, everyone was you know a new seller on eBay, right? Because it was new. Uh, and so 
you would just buy from whatever because no one had this sort of history of what they had done. But as eBay had been around for more and more and more years, a kind of a, a standard response would be only bid on auctions from people who have done other auctions, right? And who have done them successfully. And that's kind of a good key position, right? For being selective. But at the same point, I would say this kind of like degrees, right? For me, there's 50 shades of selectivity mm -hmm. <laughs> for this. And so someone could be a first time seller and they can be amazing because they know the product because they have a clear view of the item and how you mentioned they show all sides of whatever the thing is. You get this great view of it and you can tell that they did the homework. So don't let that push you away. Uh, so as long as you have someone who's kind of done that stuff, first time seller, long time seller, doesn't matter if they're doing that homework, that kind of helps with that whole being selective sort of thing for me. Uh, and I would say with this also is a big turnoff for me is uh, the uncharitable phrase would be scammy uh but i'm gonna go with a nicer one of just try to avoid any seller who sounds like a used car salesman yeah i would definitely agree with that there's definitely some of that going on the other thing i avoid and, and i like to give people a chance right i'll even yeah. you know put in the chat hey can you bring the the item closer right to the camera right can we get a better look can you turn it around right i try and give them opportunity uh the ones that i bail on pretty quickly are the ones that just either ignore that or say no you know it, it's fine right you guys yeah. it okay kind of thing. But yeah, there is the used car salesman type. Um, there's also, um, you know, people who like to play a lot of games and there's a lot of gray area um, on, on whatnot about what is allowed and what borders gambling. Um, but people who play who are playing those types of games, they're, they're really designed, right? If you think about gambling, right? What's the old saying? Uh, the house always wins. Mm -hmm. So anybody who's designing a game where they're doing a mystery item or they're they're saying if the bid gets to a certain amount, we're going to enter you into a drawing for something else, right? All of these things are designed to get more money for, right? So the house is always going to win in that scenario, right? Because they're baiting you with the opportunity at something else to spend more money. And I would say resist that as much as you can. I, I've been on the platform for a couple months now um, and, you know, buying things, bidding on things that I'm interested in. And I have not participated in any of those, right? Not once. Um, because again, I just recognize the fact that, you know, it's it's the same way, you know, casino games are designed, right? They're designed to get you to sit there and keep pumping money in um, because the house always wins. Yeah. And uh, I kind of like to group that under uh, a broader category of what I call, so like moving away from be selective, although it is being selective, but for me, it's a broader category of trusting your gut. If it feels wrong, it's probably wrong. And even if your feeling about it being wrong is wrong, I think you're better off not participating and just go with it. But like you were saying, any of those sellers are doing those kind of games. Uh, it's a gray or potentially not allowed area of terms of service. But even if it's okay, uh, I think you and I have both seen where that sort of stuff has inflated what people are bidding beyond reasonable, way beyond reasonable uh, amounts. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be part of that. That's not a good time. Uh, it, it's okay to pay a little bit more for something if it's, like you said, if it's of value to you. But don't, some of these people, they pay 20, 30, 40 bucks more for stuff. And the things are not worth it. And it's because of some of these kind of randomized results and games and drawings and raffles, things that are kind of a little wonky. Yep. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, 100% agree, right? Just stay away from them, right? Uh, again, I, I don't want to worry the, I, I don't want to, paint anybody with broad brushes here but 
brushes, but the, as you said, right, the used car salesman, right? The, the people mm -hmm. playing games, trying to, you know, extract more money from you for an item that clearly isn't worth what they're trying to get you to bid for it. It's just, it has a sleazy feel to it, right? I'd rather somebody, and while maybe it's more exciting because it has that gambling feel and that, you know, that excitement of winning and losing, yep. um, I would much rather be bored, right? In a traditional auction where it's one item and people just bid on it and sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. Uh, I'd actually much rather um, spend my time in those than uh, the, the others um, where, where games are being played. So you'd rather be bored. Should I just let everyone know that we should all just bore you whenever we see you, give you That's really fine. mundane information about things? That's fine. Okay, cool. I, I, I will make sure to, you know, uh, re-edit uh, that so that just a nice little blurb that we can just play all the time. See you. Right. I want to be bored. Uh, um, with the whole trust your gut thing, for me is some sellers when they are auctioning they're very vague or they do the you know just trust me you can't see it on the thing right but it's there i'll do it <laughs> yeah. don't just trust them if you ask a question and they're evasive maybe take a step back i, I don't care how amazing the thing is but if you're trying to find out something and they're like eh, i don't know oh i got it from the getting place um take a breath and just see what's happening because you might want to have a whole little, little inner monologue with yourself and be like, okay, how does this work out with everything else? They're not answering the right question. They're not being responsive. They're a little like, uh, and, but are they doing anything right? Cause maybe they just don't know how to respond to it. So it could be that it's completely valid, but that's when you kind of go back to your whole be selective thing. Are there things there that they're doing right? And what sort of gut feeling do you have? But also it could be like, why are they so vague? And why are they saying, just trust me? Are they someone yeah. you should trust? I mean, I don't know. I mean, they should be able to fulfill any reasonable request, right? So I was on a stream one time and they had a Lego minifigure and it had a helmet on. And somebody was asking about um, these minifigures, if you're not familiar with them, you can have the same minifigure, but uh, there's variations, right? With just slightly different heads on them. Mm -hmm. And if, they, if the figure also has a helmet, when they put the item up, sometimes the helmet's on and you can't see the head. And so somebody had asked, you know, which head is this? And the seller said, oh, it's uh, this head. And then he went to take the helmet off and he, he was he was having trouble getting it off and he couldn't get it off and he just said, just trust me, right? And I would much rather the seller, now maybe he was feeling a little, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, maybe he was a little feeling a little pressure, he was having difficulty getting the helmet off. And yeah. so he, he didn't want to slow down his stream, but I would have actually felt a lot better with that seller, if he actually took an extra five or 10 seconds and got that helmet off and showed it, right? And fulfilled that very simple request, uh, as opposed to simply saying, just trust me, because, you know, we're all just sort of strangers here, right? On the internet and True. nobody really knows each other. So just trust me becomes, um, well, if it shows up at my door and it's not the thing that you said it was, now I now have work to do, right? I have to open a claim with whatnot, yeah. right? I have to try and get this resolved, which is to get my money back or get the right item shipped or return an item. So, you know, for me, my time is worth um, everything, right? We only have a certain amount of time, right? Um, here. And so I don't want to spend my time correcting somebody else's mistakes simply because they couldn't fulfill a simple request while we we're on the it, uh, I will say I've had, I've had both kind of outcomes, right? I've had good and I've had bad outcomes from the Oh, just trust me sort of thing. So I had one seller uh, who I was buying, what was it a Lone Ranger? 
uh, Lego figure and had the wrong hat on. They had a black hat, which looked cool. I mean, it was a whole Westworld kind of vibe, right? Uh, and then I'm looking, I'm like, wait, I think it's supposed to have a white hat. So I, I asked about it and there, oh, I see you have a, a Lone Ranger figure. I believe it's supposed to have a white hat. Uh, do you have said white hat? And if so, will you uh, auction the figure? And they said, yeah. And they couldn't find it right away. And they said, but, you know, I do have it. They knew that it. Uh, and they said, when we send it, we'll send it to you with the right hat. And because of other things, I trusted them. And it took a while. But when the stuff came, it came with the right hat. And it was in great condition. Things all worked out. I've also had a case of where people have said that they have something or, you know, they, for whatever reason, they don't take the helmet off. They don't show you whatever. There's a view you don't get. And they're like, oh, no, but yeah, I believe that's correct. I believe that's a, one of those phrases that can get you into a lot of trouble uh, and where for whatever reason it didn't work out. So the thing comes, it's not what it's supposed to be. And then, like you said, Anthony, it's that whole claim sort of thing, which it's helpful that whatnot has it so you can get some sort of resolution, but it's a pain in the butt to have to do for thing after thing, after thing, after thing. Uh, yeah. and so just prevent it, right? Just ask the question and get it taken care of in advance. It's much better. And, and honestly, like, there are um, the whole, I believe, I believe it's this, I believe it's that, right? Um, it's okay to say that, um, but I really think that should be followed up with another statement, which is, hey guys, correct me if I'm wrong in the comments, all right? Does anyone know if I'm right, right? Mm -hmm. If he, if the person says, I believe it's this, but then is soliciting feedback from everyone in that stream, asking if it's the right item, right? Or the right part or whatever the case may be, um, then... That's somebody I'll, I'll give a chance, right? I'll stick with them because yeah. they're not sure. But rather than just say, trust me, right? Or make a statement that, yep, that's right. Even though they're really not sure, they're looking for help. And anybody who is looking for help and recognizes the fact, right? That they are, they need help. Um, I'm willing to give that, you know, an extra chance, right? To get it right. And I've helped people before. I've been on streams where I knew that something wasn't right or that something that they said, I believe this is right, was right. And I've responded in the chat and said, yeah, you're right. Or no, right. It's this. And those people are, you know, okay in my book, right. Cause they, they know their limits and they're asking for help. And there's, you know, potentially in some of these streams, there's anywhere from a handful of people, 10 or 15 to hundreds of people. Right. So if you are looking for help, there's plenty of people there that can help you. And uh, I respect that. Well, I think that goes back to the first point, the whole broad category of being selective. And uh, you and I were talking about the importance of what sort of effort are they putting into it? So maybe something isn't right or they don't know, but like that, the whole they believe, but like you said, they put in the effort and they go until the next step. And for any of us with small children like myself, who's been uh, exposed to many hours of watching Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, uh, there's a song in there, which I will not sing because you don't want me singing, uh, but it's about saying I'm sorry and you know saying your story it's the first step right with anything and then as Daniel Tiger teaches us the next thing you should do is how can I help it's basically no matter what you're doing in life you need to take the next step right so you need to go beyond acknowledging what the situation is which of course is a very important first step I believe I don't know maybe yes we know but then go further than that and it, yeah. it's not hard but also it can feel hard right uh but feelings are not back so it's important to keep that in mind as well uh yeah. I think we also have another really broad category. We've kind of danced around a little bit. Uh, and I like to kind of call it uh, popularity doesn't matter. Mm. <laughs> right? And, and we're so used to in society that 
popularity matters, right? Whether it's you're in school, uh, hanging out with the popular kids because they're the better ones, they're the cool kids, right? Or whether it's at work, who's popular, who's doing really well, or in voting, and I know it's kind of controversial, but uh, who's most popular normally wins in the Western world politics. Uh, I'm not going to touch that beyond that, but like we're, we're living in a world where popularity seems like it matters. I don't think it matters when it comes to whatnot. No, I would agree with that, right? I, again, it, it, there's, it, there is that social media aspect where the sellers are trying to gain followers, but gaining a lot of followers doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have a good experience with that seller. I've seen sellers with you know, hundreds or thousands of followers, which is a lot on this platform. Okay. This isn't Huge. like Instagram right now, right. Where people have millions of followers, right. Um, you know, a, a few thousand followers is, is enormous on this platform right now. Cause it's a relatively new platform. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, but I've, I've gone into some of those streams that have hundreds of thousands of followers and I'm not impressed. I don't feel comfortable. Uh, they don't pass yeah. my, you know, uh, my, my tests, right. Of being selective. And uh, I don't go in them, but I've gone in others where, you know, there's 15 people and I'm incredibly impressed with how the seller is running their auction and how knowledgeable they are about whatever the, the item is, right, that they're selling and you know, whatever category they're selling in. And and again, I think all these things that we're talking about, um, we're talking in the context of Lego because that's sort of my thing, but th these are things that apply across any, right, um, category and any item that you might be looking at, um, you know, popular doesn't mean a whole lot right um popular could just mean um the person you know and again by popular we mean number of followers or number of people in the stream right if you look at the stream and you see there's a lot of people in there it could be because they're running some really good giveaway a giveaway even though yeah. it might be for a really good item doesn't necessarily indicate that that person is a really good seller it just means they're attracting people uh with the allure of something free um and so and and it could be that you know they have a history of doing good giveaways, might not have a good history of the items they sell and the condition of them and whether or not they ship you the right thing. But because they do giveaways, they're getting, they're popular, a lot of followers, and they're getting a lot of people in their streams. I would say back to your point earlier, go with your gut. If you're in that stream and you just don't like the look of things, you don't like how they're running it. You don't like the fact that you can't see the item. Well, they're not very knowledgeable or descriptive with it. Bail out. Um, you know, and quite honestly, I'm, you know, I have better success in streams with a smaller number of uh, people in there. For, just think about it. If you're in there with somebody who has 300 or 500 people in their stream, you're bidding against 300 or 500 people. But if you go on one that has 10 or 20, you're only bidding against 10 or 20 people. So just keep that in mind, right? I, I think it's a valid point, Jonathan, that you know, don't just look at the numbers and assume that that makes that person automatically. Uh, it's interesting because for me, uh, I, I don't think, I felt the way I do until really podcasting for me became uh, more of a common thing and more important to me and understanding that number, this is going to sound dumb, but the quantity doesn't matter really. What matters is engagement. So whether it's a podcast, you can have a podcast that has millions of people who subscribe and downloading uh, and that doesn't matter. That's less valuable than having a lot fewer individuals who are highly engaged. And I think the same is kind of true with whatnot. So you can have a seller and there can be, you know, not a lot of people following them. They can less popular, so to speak. But if their engagement is better, 
both from them as a seller, are they more responsive to you and your questions and your experience, but also the others who are there, the other buyers, are they more engaged both in the community aspect, if that's important to you and what's going on, or are they more engaged in trying to help to make it a good experience? Uh, I think that's also be good. But then also uh, for the seller, uh, which is a view, we'll, we'll use that lens in another episode, but in, engagement matters more because you might not have as many individuals who are uh, choosing to buy, uh, but you can have a better experience if they're more active in their bidding and, and what they go in and uh, their interactions with you. And I think that plays every single way. So whether you have 500 people who are following or in a, an auction, which to me sounds terrible, <laughs> but it could be wonderful for some, or you have very few, for me, I would say it's really the engagement that matters more at, uh, than the popularity that, uh, you know, someone who's not as popular, I think they might try harder and maybe put more effort in to try to compete, so to speak. And so you might actually have a better experience, better engagement with them uh, than someone who has thousands and thousands. But similarly, someone who has thousands and thousands could be really good. You kind of, I think, have to uh, go and fall back on some of the other guidelines that we've given in this episode about things to look for. Uh, but I would say definitely, and I think you might agree with me, that popularity is, don't be like, oh, look, they're popular. That means I have to go. I got to go do whatever, and I got to support and be whatever. Uh, not necessarily. Yeah. No, no. I mean, and like I said, I think it still goes back to um, do do what feels comfortable, right, mm -hmm. for you. I, I was in a stream last night, actually, where uh, I jumped into the stream, and the person has a lot of followers, and they had a pretty good amount of people in the stream. Yeah. Um, but even the people in the comments, they were just complimenting this person on their setup. And by setup, what they mean is, you know, the camera, the item, the background, some people create backgrounds, um, lights, music, you know, all kinds of things in the background. Um, and although this person was getting a lot of compliments in the chat about, you know, how great and their setup was and how people um, really liked it, I found it visually confusing. I couldn't figure out what I was bidding on. There were, you know, I was a Lego minifigure um, uh, auction and um, there were multiple auctions on the, uh, excuse me, multiple minifigures on the screen during the auctions at all times. And I just found it visually confusing. What am I bidding on exactly? Um, why is the thing that I am bidding on so far away from the camera and pushed to one side, things like that. Again, others, it's all um, uh, subjective, right? Other people might think it's fantastic. I found it confusing and I wasn't comfortable bidding on anything because I just couldn't get a good look at it. And so I bailed out of there. Um, you know, I stayed in there for a few minutes just to see if anything would change, but then I just bailed out of there. So again, popularity, right, is one thing, but also, you know, um, taking other people's word for it, I would caution against that too, right? Just because someone yes. else says, hey, this seller's great or um, they're, they're, uh, items are great. You know, that only goes so far with me, right? I wouldn't discount it completely, but it only, it only goes so far. Um, I have to see it, right? I have to say, Hey, wow, I'm getting a great look at that thing. It looks really nice. It looks like the seller really, you know, took time to check the condition of it. And they really, um, you know, are putting up quality items. Okay. Yeah. I, I won't just go on somebody saying, no, don't worry about this. This, this, this person always has good stuff. No, absolutely. And I, I think, uh, an interesting thing is that when you look at and listen to some of the guides that we're sharing uh, in this episode, some of the broad categories of tips, so to speak, it, there's no one single tip that stands alone. They're all kind of interwoven. And it, it reminds me of ages and ages ago here on the show, we did a similar kind of thing for uh, anyone who wanted to be a 
a Kickstarter backer, so to speak, or a crowdfunding backer and some guidelines on what to or what not to do and what to look for. And at the time, even with that, it was uh, there's no one thing. There's no magic bullet, so to speak. So you, you kind of need a little of this and a little of that and some of part B and a sprinkle of this and a dash of that. And it gives you the whole picture as it is and i mean we've just done what three kind of broad categories here for tips and i know we still have a couple more but uh even though we keep kind of going back to certain ones like trust me you gotta be selective by themselves those are the whole picture you kind of need some other things to do i think to have a good experience yeah and and, and look i made mistakes right the the first time i started using the platform mm-hmm. and and that's what sort of what led to right some of these tips that we're talking about um this is how you know in my mind they developed right? was that at first I was, it was sort of wild west, right? Go in here. It's a brand new platform. <laughs> wow. It's really cool. Never, we haven't really had anything like this before, right? Um, live video auctions. Yeah. Um, and some mistakes were made. And so now, um, now that I've, I've been on it for a while and, uh, lived through those mistakes, you know, um, yeah, I, I think I've come up with a pretty decent, um, uh, process in my head, right. For, for where I, where I'm willing to go and spend my money. No, I agree. And I, I think that kind of gives more value to what we're talking about. It's not this, uh, metaphorical, you know, if this were to kind of happen, maybe these tips might be useful. These are things you and I have experienced and we've learned from, and they, some things paid off well and some did not. <laughs> and so we're speaking from that experience and being able to say, okay, don't make the same mistakes we did. These things worked for us and you should use these things and ignore the other stuff, right? But also take it with a grain of salt as well because what worked for us may not work for you. I, I'm going to suggest most of it will, but that some things uh, maybe you need to experience for yourself. And Some individuals just learned that way and uh, that's okay too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Like I said, I've come up with, I, I, I probably should have uh, uh, amended my previous comment that I've come up with a pretty good process. I've come up with a pretty good profit process that works for me. Right. And so it may not, it may be different for you. And if it's different for you, great. It's whatever works for you. As long as uh, hopefully you find some of these things helpful, if you you know, you are going to jump on that platform. Um, but definitely, you know, take what we're saying with a grain of salt here, because uh, again, what we're saying might not exactly be um, perfect for you. And you might have, have a, you know, as much of a comfort level with it as, as say I do or Jonathan does. Well, one of my favorite kind of sayings from, TV dumb comes from LeVar Burton uh, for anyone old enough to remember reading rainbow uh, and on the show, he would, you know, recommend a book and he'd talk about stuff and he'd share and kind of read it to you. And there'd be other individuals who'd be involved as well. And so he would end an episode by saying like, here's this thing that we did. And it was, you know, whatever it was, this it was good. It was great. All this kind of stuff. And then he'd say, but you don't have to take my word for it. And, it's become a slogan for him with all this stuff. He uses that all the time on social media. And that's something I'm always mindful of with especially things here on the show that, you know, this is my experience with whatever today we're talking about, whatnot. Uh, but you don't have to take my word for it. Uh, so maybe you do something else. Um, but let me try to make life a little easier for you if I can and uh, try to learn from our experiences. And so I know for me, one of the things that I kind of experienced and that I learned the hard way was uh I really need to keep track of my purchases. Uh, we talked about it a little bit already insofar as money that you're spending, but even more so, I know for me, just to make sure that I'm getting what I think I'm supposed to be getting, because you had mentioned that the sellers can preload the auctions with as much detail as they want, right? Yeah. But sometimes they don't give you a whole lot of detail. 
they'll just say or any well yeah i, I yes I, I was trying to be polite about it but yes they might give you n- none there's no detail at all uh <laughs> there's nothing there and all you know is that you won auction number 12 what was auction number 12 i don't know <laughs> and that's happened and whatnot does this thing where in theory they screenshot uh each item when it's sold that may not always happen and even if it does that may not always get saved so that you can see so for me what i like to do is especially if i'm on a smartphone or a tablet i like to take a screenshot of each item uh for me that's easier you could write down a list or you could be super uh, uh anal and nerdy and i've done this too i uh, make a spreadsheet I'm not saying you have to go crazy, but like somehow keep track of what it is, a brief description of what you're getting, whether it's, you know, uh, white Adidas sneakers with a blue flamingo on it, or if it's a Lego minifigure or you're buying whatever game or uh, it's a second edition of The Hobbit with a gigantic tear in the back or something. Just make a note somewhere that's safe and you're not going to lose because if you don't, you're going to have a bad time. At least I have. Um I know you don't go into as much detail as I do, Anthony, but do you keep track at all uh, of anything? I do. I, so it depends. If if the descriptions that the seller is putting up when they put up the item are good and they're detailed, I don't bother, right? Mm-hmm. Because I can always just go back in and I can see exactly from that description what item I... But when they're just putting up... Uh, again, I'll give another Lego example, right? It'd be different with other things. But if they're just putting up like minifigure number one, minifigure number two, mini, well, there's no way, right? If, if I sit there on that auction for two hours and I buy 15 things... There's no way I'm going to remember what minifigure number two was, right? Um, and so uh, what I do is I pop open a little scratch pad on my computer or a on my phone or a, a spreadsheet sometimes. And I just jot down just, you know, real quick, right, um, descriptions of what it is I bought. Uh, sometimes I'll put the price, you know, that I paid in there, whatever the case may be. Sometimes I'll, I'll do a little matrix, right, where I say, okay, here's my description. And this is how the seller described it. Minifigure number two was this. Minifigure number Fifteen mm-hmm. was this mini nim figure number forty-seven was this just so I can go back right and look at it. But again, it, again, it goes back to effort, right? Um, in an ideal world, <laughs> a really good seller is going to do all that and they're going to have all that information in there already. But you know, I'll be honest, I have some sellers that, as a selective as I am, and some might say I'm too selective, I have some sellers that I buy from repeatedly who don't put that level of detail in, in the item description, and I still buy from them because everything else is. You know Same. I mean? Yeah, there's uh, there's one in particular I'm thinking of who uh, the way and I, I think this has been the case with multiple categories. So it doesn't necessarily matter which category you're in where they might have a selection of items. Right. And you get to pick more than one item uh, that you are are winning. You see them all on the screen and you're bidding for, let's say, two of the items, whether they're action figures or plushies or Lego or whatever. Uh, and so their description is like. Auction number four, pick two. <laughs> and they don't know what you're going to pick. They don't know what's going to be on the screen at that time. So they can't really give a thorough description of it. But also, you don't know what it is either looking back. And so having a notation about that is really helpful. Uh, whereas those who are doing a dedicated single item at a time or a single grouping of items at a time, they can put that extra effort in. So for me, this individual who tends to do this other thing, I know that and I would get stuff from them that good quality it's in good condition 
it hits the other marks the stuff comes it's well packed it's like you know all the sort of things it's just that i need to make sure i make a notation and so i do the screenshot kind of thing just because uh if you're wherever and you're on your smart device you can easily bid uh and do it oh but also if i know i'm just gonna hunker down and like this is gonna be my activity for a time period i open up my computer and so i'll have it up on the computer i get on my phone i get my tablet i have this whole little i don't know uh bunker <laughs> this up center going on where i can kind of get more in, yeah. in depth but even so still i just for me the screenshot and then i just go back after and i'll be like okay screenshot one because like we said right auctions are fast and so you don't often have a lot of time to make all these notations as it's going on. Uh, so if you do able to do some sort of uh, abbreviations or shorthand or something, um, not that they teach shorthand anymore, uh, but if you're able to do something like that or screenshot or whatever, you can then go back after and flush it out or even the next day um, and kind of expand on your uh, note taking. And I think that can be really helpful. Yeah, I call my setup the uh, whatnot command center when I have the computer <laughs> and the phone and have everything going all at once because that's the other cool thing about the platform is that you can be in multiple uh, auctions at the same time. Yeah, uh, you have multiple devices, you can be in multiple auctions at the same time, and you can be bidding actively bidding in multiple auctions uh, simultaneously. Um, so yeah, it, it again casually, you know, laying in bed at night before I go to bed, I'm just looking at it my phone. But if I know I'm gonna, you know, tonight I'm gonna be up late and I'm going to dedicate two hours to whatnot auctions. Um, I get the whole command center going. Yeah. I, I like to get down into the studio because that's, you know, where I have my setup anyway. And so I open up the thing and then I'll go into auctions and be active on them uh, from my computer because I can have multiple tabs open in my web browser. The thing to note for this actually, which isn't on our uh, list of tips, but if you want to enter any giveaways, you have to do it from, a phone or a tablet, smartphone or a tablet. You can't do it from a computer. Uh, for whatever reason, they don't allow it that way. So uh, if I know that I'm in a, a stream and they're doing a giveaway and I want to participate in the giveaway, I make sure to have a, a tablet or a smartphone uh, handy so I can just pop into it on that and then I can enter it and stay until they draw the winner of it and go do whatever. Uh, but I, I yeah. like the little command center. That Yeah, that that's an important point. These giveaways, um, most of them, right, you have to be present, right, to win. And so that means you have to actively be in the stream. And so um, you can enter it um, on your phone, like Jonathan just mentioned, and then go back to it right on your tablet, right? And and you'll still be entered, right? Um, because you entered it on your phone. You don't have to stay in it necessarily on your phone. Yeah. If you have a tab open on your computer, um, essentially what will happen is, you know, once you enter on your phone, you're entered in no matter where, right, you're connected to that stream from. Um, but it's a great point. Yeah, and I'm not quite sure why they don't allow you to enter from uh, a computer or a desktop or a laptop or whatever because you're logged in anyway so i haven't quite figured out why that is it but yeah. it, it is so i don't think it's necessarily that you're allowed or not allowed i think it's a case of the mobile apps um are developed right first and yeah. therefore um the web version sort of lags behind i bet you're right uh, i bet that is kind of how it goes and that they intend for it to be uh app-based kind of society and uh the web thing was uh well let's just add this in just because that would yep. be my guess well i mean it's interesting because there's certain things you can do um i know as a as a seller and we're gonna like you said we're gonna look at things through that lens on another uh episode but um as a seller there are things you you can only do right through the web and you cannot do um uh through the app and vice versa there's things as a seller you can only do through the app and not do um uh on the web so it, it's a little bit it can feel a little bit fragmented, especially from the seller point of view, but uh, that's for another time. 
that's funny. Uh, I wouldn't, I would expect more uniformity for the sellers, but say la vie, as they say. Uh, I think our final point, right, uh, is that you've gone through all the other points, right? You've done all the other tips on the guidelines and you've entered the auctions, streams, the shows, as they call them, on whatnot. You found what you wanted to bid on, you bid on it, you've done that whole process. And you made your notations to keep track of what all this stuff is. You didn't spend too much. You made sure that the seller did their homework and all that kind of stuff. You did your own homework. And then the thing comes. Lo and behold, the, the box, the package arrives. You got to complete the sale. And for you, what does that mean? Because you and I might have different definitions of completing the sale, so to speak. Um, yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think we do a lot of the same process, right? Obviously, the first thing you want to do is you want to you get the package open. You want to make sure first and foremost that the item or items, right, that you received were the ones that you ordered. Again, that goes back to making sure you're keeping track of what yep. you're supposed to be getting. Um, and so the first thing I do is I sort of checklist off really quick, right? Are these the items? Yes. Okay. Then I go one by one. And what is the condition of the item? Is the condition of the item what was represented on the stream, right? Because that's another thing I do when I'm making a list, right? I make sure that if anything's noted, right, about it, like there's any damage or anything like that, I put um, uh, for that item. And so I look at it and I say, is it, is it actually, you know, the condition that I, uh, expected it to be now, once you receive an order. So the way this works is that whatnot handles all the shipping. So, um, when you buy your first item, uh, in an auction, you get charged shipping for the first item. And then usually if you buy another item in that same auction, um, the shipping, the additional shipping cost is incremental. Right. So it might be four dollars for the first item, but then it's 25 cents. Right. For additional. That's yeah. how it works with Lego minifigures. And, um, and so what happens is uh, when you receive the item, uh, you open it up, you check it out. But whatnot tracks those packages. So whatnot knows when those packages are delivered. So the next time you go into the whatnot app after you receive your item, you're going to get a pop up. Right. Or you're going to get a notification in that app that says we want you to rate this. And generally speaking, um, it's not an issue, right? I go in, I rate things right away. I rate it based on how well I feel the, the items, you know, represent what was on the stream, how fast the shipper shipped it, all of those things. Um, completing the sale is super important because the seller does not get paid on whatnot until the uh, sale is complete. And that means you have to rate them. You have to acknowledge that you received the item and that you give them a rating. And so as much as when bad things happen, you don't want the seller to get paid. When you have a good seller, you really want to get, you really want to make sure that they are able to get, get their money, right? Um, they're waiting for whatever amount of time it takes to ship that item for whatever amount of time it takes uh, for you to open that item and, and validate it. Um, so I would say, you know, again, being a good citizen, you want to complete that sale. If everything is good and they're a good seller, you want to complete that sale relatively quickly for them, right? So that they can get their money. Um, now there's the other side of completing the sale, which is I didn't get what, what I expected <laughs> or it wasn't the condition I expected. And um, when that happens, um, you generally can't go through the seller directly, right? Mm -hmm. What not does not want buyers and sellers trying to resolve um, differences. Occasionally they will direct you to the seller, but in most cases they want you going through whatnot. And so um, that's a whole different, right, um, uh, process, right, a flow. Uh, you, you need to contact support, open a case. Um, a lot of times the resolutions are not um, you getting the item you want. A lot of times it involves things like refunds or partial refunds. 
Yeah. Um, but if you're expecting that they're going to resolve it in a way that you're going to return something and the other person's going to ship you something, my experience in most cases that doesn't happen. Um, it's mostly what not trying to make it right with you as opposed to what not trying to get the seller to get correct with you. If you open a case, then obviously that sale is not complete until it's resolved. Uh, and I will say, so I've had to open many, many, many cases uh, with whatnot. And uh, I will say that they're very responsive. They want to make it right. Uh, but it's important. Again, you got to do a little bit of homework. And I think maybe it's probably fair. Uh, but for me, it feels a little burdensome and uh, that they really want a lot of proof of whatever the problem is. And even with the proof, sometimes they're like, oh, well, we need more. Uh, and so I take photos, I take screenshots, you know, photos of the items. I've done videos of me opening the box and doing, because I don't know what it's going to be like, but just in case I've done that, I've taken screenshots of what things are supposed to be, of the other stuff. And, then, and sometimes I'm like, yeah, you know, we need more. Uh, and that's not the norm. It, from, it's definitely not the norm, but it has happened. I've also had it happen where they will just say, okay, here, we give a refund for whatever. I've had it where they've said that I've needed to return the item at my own cost uh, to the seller in order for them to give any sort of refund. Uh, I'm told that is the official whatnot policy, uh, period, that if you want a refund, you're supposed to return the entire thing at your apparently your cost. Um, but I've also had other whatnot support members just give a refund or just say the only thing we can do is to give you like 20% or 30% back. Uh, so it really seems to depend on who you get uh, for what's going to be. But I think there is a baseline there. And no matter what, they're trying to work with in whatever their framework is to give you a good experience uh, so that you have something there and uh, are able to get some sort of resolution. So, I mean, I have had that happen. And uh, because of that, I take really detailed notes and spreadsheets <laughs> on stuff, excessively so, perhaps. Uh, but yeah, I think you've been you've been burned. I I have not opened nearly as many cases as you have. I think I've opened one or two. Um, so you you've been you've been burned. I won't say burned, but you you've had no. issues far more than I have. Um, but I, I even with the one or two cases that I've opened, I've noticed like what you just said, right? Which is. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes there's some variance, right? Their general policy is that whatnot does not want buyers and sellers, right? Trying to resolve these disputes, right? Or these issues. Yeah. But the first case I opened, they told me to contact the seller. Yeah. So I did. And the seller made it right. The seller told me to keep the item that um, I had received and he was going to ship me out the correct item as a replacement. So again, worked out fine, but I could see why the official policy from whatnot is we don't want buyers and sellers trying to resolve differences because as you know, that can, when there's money involved, it can sometimes get contentious. So I think in general, it's, it's actually a good policy. I think right, so too. To have for them to play the middleman when there's an issue. Um, but it does seem like, you know, it's not a hard and fast rule. It seems like there are some scenarios where exceptions. And I, I think also, I, I know that there have been some sellers uh, who they've said in streams where, you know, someone has uh, asked them about a, a thing that they maybe bought from a prior stream or asked, like, what if there's a problem? And there's, uh, I've seen some sellers say that they've reached out to whatnot in the past on behalf of a buyer and whatnot has told them that the seller cannot be involved at all. Uh, that the only thing they can do is to direct the buyer to whatnot support and whatnot support then takes care of it. And so they try to isolate the seller as much as possible from it. And I like 
you said, I think it's a great thing because you don't want to have too many cooks in the kitchen. So you just kind of want to make sure that it's as uh, even keeled for everyone and equitable for everyone. You want to make sure that we're just mindful of that. Uh, so that try to be fair in how things go. And I think Whatnot does a, a pretty good job of it. And obviously there's some growing pains. I think they're new-ish, I would say. So uh, that's something to be mindful of. But they're not intentionally trying to wrong anyone. I, I don't get that feeling at all. Uh, and so I think that's a, a cool kind of thing. Uh, but like you said, I, I turns out I have a more similar method uh, to you than I thought I did. Uh, you know, I open the package. I record myself opening the package. Depends on the seller uh, and my prior experiences with them, whether I do that or not. Uh, but then I immediately photograph every single thing in its packaging to show this is how it is before I even touch it. And then I open up the packaging for each thing, individually packaged, and I examine it for anything that might be potentially wrong. Do I have the wrong parts? Does it have whatever? Does it different than, does it match the screenshot that I took originally? I, I go above and beyond. Uh, it's yeah, too much. I, I think you maybe you have some uh, whatnot P, uh, PTSD. Um, I, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, uh, and I didn't do it in the beginning. So clearly it was learned behavior. And I'm not yeah. saying anyone else has to do this. Uh, this is what I'm doing at the moment. Although I'm actually taking kind of a break right now from buying because I bought so much stuff, tons and tons and tons of stuff. And it was a lot. It was like having another job dealing with it, uh, doing this whole process of checking it all. Uh, does it have the right things? Does it have damage or dirt or whatever? And then coordinating it all and keeping records and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I want to echo something you said about the importance of reading the sellers. And if for nothing else, I can 100% sympathize with it because anyone who listens to any sort of podcast you'll hear about the importance of reading and reviewing a podcast if you like the podcast you want to rate and review it because it actually i don't care what anyone says about it some people think it doesn't help but it does help it helps you to rise in the rankings of podcast listings whether you're on stitcher or itunes or uh, sorry apple Podcasts or, or whatever it is google uh, podcast store it helps you to show up better and people see oh look they have four stars and they got you know, a bunch of people who say really nice things about it. So maybe I'm going to check it out. Someone made a really good point. And so that's helpful. And so just like with whatnot, where not only is that how sellers get paid, but those ratings show up. And so for me, that kind of plays into um, trusting my gut with them uh, on whether uh, or not, do they have a good ratings, right? Do they have a bunch of ratings and they only get two stars? Maybe there's a reason for it. Uh, and so like trying to uh, figure out what, the rating is for that how many stars are they getting and i think i'm have a broader tolerance on that than you do i'm i'm like four and a half stars i'm happy with four and a half or higher oh. i i'm willing to give it <laughs> i heard that <laughs> i'm willing to give a chance uh you're not i believe no uh if you're below i would say 4.85 um i'm skeptical at that point you know because here's here's how i view it right like in an ideal world if you get a bad review, that should make you want to correct things and make things better, right? Yeah. And so um, now, again, if you have two reviews and one is bad as one is good, that's going to drag your rating down. But if you have hundreds of reviews and your rating is still, you know, below in, again, 4.8, 4.85 around there, uh, sort of tells me after, you know, hundreds of sales and hundreds of reviews, maybe you're not taking steps to correct some of your problems. 
Um, and so again, it's tough because reviews are, and ratings are subjective, right? What is acceptable to one person may not be to another. Another person might be, you know, much harder to please than, than say, uh, your average person. And so they give bad reviews, but I think those are generally the, um, uh, those are generally the outliers. And so you, if you have uh, a vast amount of, of reviews, um, you know, in the hundreds, right. After you've done this many times, um, your, your rating, I think shouldn't be severely or adversely affected, right. By that, right. It should still be pretty high. Um, even if you have an outlier here or there, um, again, take all this with a grain of salt. If somebody is relatively new and I, you can tell if they're relatively new, right. Um, yeah. based on how many followers they have and things like that. I'm not going to look so much at their rating, right? Um, one bad experience or one person who, you know, just can't be satisfied no matter what, um, is we could drag down their rating and that's not really fair. Um, you know, but when it's an established seller, hundreds, thousands of followers runs, you know, uh, auctions weekly, sometimes some of them run them daily. Um, you know, those people, you should have a high rating, um, because at the very least, um, if you started off and you had some rough spots, you should be taking steps to correct them. Is, see, it's funny because, uh, I'm pretty critical uh, insofar as uh, I think it should be almost impossible to get a five-star rating. I think you ha really have to work exceptionally hard to do that, and it should be the rarity. I also think getting a one-star rating means you have to have failed so miserably. Like, everything in the world had to go wrong for that to happen. So I think generally nobody should be getting one-stars and nobody should be getting five-stars. Uh, and so my like four and a half, I think equates your 4.85 or so, because I think that it should be more moderated. And so for me, like a, a four and a half is like, whoa, they got a four and a half. It's really up there. So it kind of accounts for people being like five stars. They were amazing. But maybe really for me, it wouldn't be a five star situation. Uh, so my. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely would agree with that. Right. Which is why I said I don't put a ton of stock in yeah. the in the review in the rating to begin with just because i'll look at it but again if i if all those other things i talked about earlier right or sort of that criteria is met i'll i'll mm -hmm. stick with the seller right um because no absolutely I'm comfortable with everything else um but yeah i mean if i see a rating that you know is dipping below that 4.8 mark or 4.85 mark you know around there i you know i'll i'll stay and watch but i'll keep that in mind right um too no absolutely i i, I think just for me uh, people are more willing to give five stars. I, and so I tend to discount that for me, like yeah. a, a four is probably the, the best you're going to do generally. Uh, and so I'm like four and a half, look at yeah. that. They, they did even yeah. more. So that is my way of discounting all those five star mm -hmm. reviews. Not uh, a bad way to look at it, right? You're throwing out the high and the low. Uh, and so, but also I think that's kind of maybe played into a little bit where, especially in the beginning for me, I went pretty heavily by that. And I got burnt on some stuff, right? Um, yeah. uh, so that's going to happen. So it, I think it's kind of ironic, whereas I'm like, oh, okay, you know, I'm going to discount fives and discount ones. So that means it's going to be this, but that ends up meaning I'm more accepting of, a, I have a higher range of uh, acceptability for what the ratings would be. Uh, yeah. And so it kind of has this inverse reaction. I don't know. It makes you laugh. It's a little funny. Uh, but mm -hmm. uh I, we've we've used Lego as a lens, right, for yeah. stuff. And I think you and I would uh, kind of a good way to kind of cap all this off would be we have some sellers that we I think both really like and that we would recommend, right? Yeah. Uh, who's mm -hmm. one for you? Uh, so in the Lego world, uh, there is a seller um, that goes by the name Brick Trend. Um, 
bought from him multiple times. Very happy. Uh, you know, he just does a great job on the stream with visibility, you know, and knowledge and condition of the product. Everything I've gotten from him has been spot on. Um, so I really like him. Um, there's another one and I might be a little partial cause he's kind of local to me. Um, <laughs> and I used to follow him on, on Instagram when he was doing auctions on Instagram, but, um, uh, it goes by the name of HD bricks. He's also in the Lego space. Uh, he's a big star Wars guy. Uh, so am I, so I like watching his streams always has a really uh, good amount of stuff and, and some really good quality stuff. I've never had an issue at all, um, with anything that I've purchased from him. So th those are two that, um, I really like. There's probably a handful of others that are the names are escaping me at the moment. Um, but um, there's a handful of others that, like you know, I consider you know my go-to. Right? I've sort of developed in my head, you know, you know, six or eight right sellers right now. Um, and there's new ones coming onto the platform all the time. Lego is a fairly new category for whatnot. Um, I think yep. they've only been doing it a um, handful of months, three or four months. Um, there's other categories like Funko, for example, that are far, far more established, um, and have a lot, uh, a lot more sellers. Um, so I think, you know, the Lego thing is, um, you know, it's evolving, right. Both from the perspective of, um, some of the things that are done on the streams, what, what not allows, but then also from the, the, the buyer point of view, right. Um, sort of learning, right. Um, who's your kind of go-tos and that's probably going to change over time, right. There's going to be new people that come on the platform that are really good. And yeah, uh, hopefully that means you can expand, right. Um, that breadth of, of sellers out there that you're willing to buy from. Uh, I know for me uh, that I've had a couple, uh, and I mean, there's more than these two, but in particular, just kind of call out Blaine's world uh, has been incredible. He's great uh, all around. And then I also love Dan's bricks and minifigs, uh, just an amazing experience, uh, a good seller, just all sorts of stuff. And there are others who, uh, like you said, you know, I have a list of others uh, who I like to use just like you do. Uh, but they, these two just kind of stand out for me. And uh, you and I have different uh, reasoning, I guess, uh, different impetus behind acquiring Lego, going on here for Lego. Uh, for me, though, it's been, and I've talked about this on the show before, uh, doing a Lego tabletop war game. And so this has been one way that I've been able to source material for it at a reasonable uh, price. So it doesn't uh, hurt as much for the outlay. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so I, I kind of got into uh, connect with individuals. They know, oh, wait, you're looking for this because you're doing it. I think you're doing a game. And uh, so it's kind of neat that I've been able to do that. And I think it could be really helpful for anyone else. It doesn't have to be Lego. There's all sorts of stuff. And like I mentioned, there's role-playing games. There's uh, tabletop games so there's all these other categories that i think are ripe for the taking uh so to speak uh where people can kind of get into and get some good deals and you know also maybe make a little bit of money selling which we'll talk about next time uh yeah absolutely and i would definitely say i've taken a look at, at the tabletop gaming and you know role-playing game section right or category and um that looks like it's a um it's a, it's a category that needs sellers, right? And it mm -hmm. needs um, more attention um, on the platform. So as you said, uh, I think I think we can talk about that next time and talk about what it takes to become a seller. Um, but I'm sure uh, whatnot is right now aggressively, right? Recruiting sellers and the more people on their platform, the better it is for their business model. Um, so if you are inclined to uh, uh, wanna, you know, try and uh, make some money and sell some stuff, um, it might be a good platform for you. So, Anthony, is there anything we haven't covered? Uh, any like lasting words of wisdom that you want to share with people? Um, I would say, you know, and again, I don't know if this necessarily only applies to um, to whatnot, um, but I think the the way whatnot is structured, right, and how you interact with it, um, is kind of 
um, a, a good example, right, of, of where you should exercise a couple things. Um, and I would say one um, would be patience. Um, so again, um, don't fall into that trap of fear of missing out. Um, odds are, if there's an item you want and you don't win it because you're not willing to go beyond a certain price, uh, there'll be another one in someone else's stream or maybe even that same person's stream, right, coming down the road. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, these are these are things that these sellers are constantly out trying to re- um acquire right and and maintain inventory so i would say patience um one don't let yourself get sucked into something because you feel like if you don't get it now you're never going to get it um be patient um wait it out and I, I think that's true inside the auction as well as i said earlier i wait um i wait till i see as much of it as i can and i hear as much about the item as i can before i bid um sometimes just within the last couple seconds um and then um you know uh you know just do staying with what's comfortable, right? If, if you're in one of these shows, as they're called, you're uncomfortable with anything going there. And again, I haven't had any bad experience myself. Um, but if you're uncomfortable with anything going on, whether it's the chat, whether it's, um, you know, how the, the seller is, um, you know, uh, running the auction, right? Are they doing things that make you feel like they're trying to get more money out of you, stuff like that? Um, you know, don't stick with it, right? Get out of there and, and just do what's, do what's comfortable. So be patient. Um, you know, do what makes you comfortable um, and don't feel like you have to be uncomfortable in order to get a shot at some item that you really want. No, that's really good advice. And I know we're winding the episode down, but before we do, I introduced you as being from Brickify. Do you want to tell people what Brickify is? Yeah, sure. Um, so Brickify <laughs> is a um, it is a Lego resale store. Um, so um, you can find these depending on where you live. Um, they're around. Um, but basically what we do um, is we sell um, Lego, new in the box Lego, um, like, you know, most stores right out there do that you, where you can get that product. Um, but more focused on actually um, the pre-owned side of things. So we actually buy um, pre-owned Lego um, in all various forms, um, loose brick, fleet sets, minifigures, whatever the case may be. Um, we buy those from people who are done with them. You know, maybe they just don't want them anymore. And then um, we clean them, we rehab them, and um, we put them back out, try and find them another home. Uh, you know, obviously Lego is plastic. Plastic isn't the best thing to be putting into the waste stream. Um, so we do our best to try and keep it out um, because it is something that is really infinitely reusable. Um, you, you really never need to throw Lego away. And so I encourage you wherever you are in the world, um, if, if you have Lego or your kids have Lego and they're done with it and they don't want it anymore, really go out and, and look for places like this that are willing to take it, give you a little bit of money for it. And, uh, you know, knowing that it won't wind up in the trash, it won't wind up in the waste stream. It will, it will essentially be repurposed and, um, you know, it'll be uh, given a new home. And again, we're there as sort of just, it's a constant revolving door. We have people come in, buy you stuff, you know, six months later, a year later, come back in, they're done with it. They sell it back to us. Right. And then again, we just keep repeating that process. Um, because, uh, this stuff is, uh, you know, um, very durable, very reusable. And so that's sort of uh, uh, what we do um, at the shop. And um, we have a lot of fun doing it. And, uh, you know, if you're ever uh, in our area, definitely stop by. So if people want to stay up to date with all that's going on with Brickify, what are the best ways for them to do it? Um, so we have uh, our Instagram where we mostly post photos there. We don't do too much uh, on Instagram about sort of news and what's happening. Um, but we do most of that over on Facebook. Um, and then we also have our website and the great thing is it's all the same name. So, um, our website is shopbrickify.com. 
our Instagram uh, uh, username is Shopbrookify, and our uh, um, our Facebook uh, page is also called Shopbrookify. So if you can just remember that um, that that uh, one word or two words, um, then uh, you should be able to find us. And then we're also on whatnot as a Shopbrookify as well. So if you ever uh, decide to dip your toe into whatnot, definitely come find us and uh, give us a follow. Yeah, so uh, anyone anywhere in the world can uh, make purchases on whatnot and get the stuff sent to them. And uh, we will have links to all of those things, all your socials and stuff in the show notes uh, for that so people can easily find it and get to that. Well, Anthony, I want to thank you for taking this time to be on this episode of Wargaming Recon. I really appreciate it. I have a lot of fun. Thank you very much for having me. And I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen to this episode. I want to remind you, just like you can find all the socials for Brickify, you can also find Wargaming Recon on the socials, no matter where you look, where, everywhere. The spotlights with the bat begin on the side of a lightsaber hilt. We're there, Wargaming Recon. Get in touch with us and see what's going on here at the show and all the things we're doing, including progress that is being made on the Lego War Game Battle of Hoth that we're going to be doing. And you can see how that's going as progress happens and things are built and just planning and everything. So we have that on our socials, Facebook, Facebook groups, Facebook pages, Insta. And um, I think the only thing we're not on is uh, TikTok because reasons. Uh, but otherwise, I think we're everywhere. Uh, so you can find us there. We're on all the different podcast apps. No matter where you listen to podcasts, you can find us. So thank you, everyone. Thank you again, Anthony. And I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Be sure to tune in next time for another incredible and amazing episode. And remember... No matter how busy you are, no matter how much time you're thinking, hmm, maybe I need to check out the whatnot and see what I can buy from Brickify. Know that you gotta, you need to, you have to. That's right. Keep on gaming. Are you always on the go? Why not take Wargaming Recon with you? If you use an app like Pocket Casts, you can listen to your favorite episodes of Wargaming Recon on your mobile device. This recording is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution Non-Commercial, Share-Alike license. Many thanks to Andrew and Court for inspiring the show's name. Wargaming Recon is dedicated to the memory of longtime listener Andrew. I ask all listeners to join me in a moment of silence in memory of Andrew. Thank you to everyone who backed our 2021 podcast season on Kickstarter. In particular, we'd like to thank 3DDZYN at 3DDesign.com, Nate Taylor of Dwarven Forge, and Things from the Basement, where you can get highly detailed laser-cut terrain kits for 28, 20, and 15mm figures in other exciting products. We couldn't have been successful without the help of all of you. Thank you so much for your support and being part of our community. We hope you are enjoying the 2021 season.